Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe, and once again, I am alone for an interview today. Ashley was not able to join me, but I was joined by James Whiteside, who, as you'll get to know in our interview, is a principal dancer with American Ballet Theater, but that's not all that James is. His new book, Center Center, just released in the middle of August, and he calls it a sort of memoir, but it's full of stories from childhood, all throughout his adult life on his artistic endeavors. It was a really special memoir to read, and I think we can hear Beasley in the background. (laughs) But he was a lot of fun to speak to, and we hail from the same hometown, so that was really, really cool. Here's my interview with James. I'm so excited to welcome James Whiteside to read it or list it today. James is a professional dancer. He is a member of an illustrious drag queen group, and now he can add writer to his list. Thank you so much for joining me today. James, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Phoebe. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. I know I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but I would love if you could introduce yourself to our listeners today. Sure. My name is James Whiteside. I am a principal dancer and choreographer with American Ballet Theater in New York City. Uh, I am a pop musician under the name JB Dubs and a drag queen under the name Yoohoo Batch. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. You're actually our first um, nonfiction writer to join us. Um, you're our first memoir writer, which is very exciting. Um, I mentioned to James before we began recording, um, when his team reached out, I couldn't pass up the opportunity as the daughter of a dancer myself. <laughs> um, my mom was very excited. She actually went through, um, the ABT's teaching certification course. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. So she did that, uh, so uh, I've known, known about James for a very long time. And we also come from the same hometown, which is awesome. That's um, why it's a small world. Fairfield, Connecticut is a, <laughs> is a cute little town in Southern Connecticut. And yeah. uh, you know, that's where I started dancing. Yeah. Um, I loved the, uh, the shout out for Pete, uh, the old Pete Wardens, uh, okay. <laughs> which is now a Starbucks, sadly, but it was, oh, I know. I also have a Starbucks mug. It's- <laughs> From my study abroad but <laughs> I uh yeah so our local coffee shop is now a Starbucks and then I'm li- like in this zoom recording I'm drinking a cup of Starbucks yeah. <laughs> it's really like I'm mad that it's a Starbucks but I'm also drinking a Starbucks so it's like the hypocrisy feels really uh potent today yes. <laughs> whenever <laughs> I whenever I have friends come and visit uh when I take them to my hometown they're like, oh my gosh, what a nice, cute little Starbucks. It's yellow. I'm like, well, it used to be this place that had really great frozen pink lemonade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, like I said, you're our first memoir author that we've had on the show. And I'm sure the process is so different from writing fiction. Um, and you're obviously an incredibly creative person. So what was your writing process like? Um, we know from, you tell us at the beginning of Center Center in your uh, letter to the reader that you had this idea for a while. Yeah, so I think I was 20 years old when I came up with the title for my book. I'm 37 now. So it it was like a real delusional notion that I would be writing a book someday. Um, I am not, you know, I didn't go to school for writing. So this is this is just a a creative endeavor that I hoped would work out. Um, and so when 
it came time to really try to write. I, I disappeared up to the woods in upstate New York. My friends have a house up there that they were not inhabiting for the winter. And I went up there and sat in the cold that he wasn't working and I just started writing. And I, I was there for a week and uh, I shared it with my uh, lit agent and we crafted a proposal and sent it off to Penguin Random House. And that was that. And then I, I had to get to work because they bought the book. Yeah, which is so exciting. I mean, it's a great title. Uh, as a, um, a proper millennial, I was uh, very much obsessed with Center Stage. <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. uh, all I can think about. Um, yeah, I had a you know a huge crash on Sasha Detsky, obviously. And I then- still do. <laughs> my, uh, we, my mom and I were at the Empire Hotel before, I think his wife was dancing in Sleeping Beauty at the time. And uh, he was there and she was like, oh, Sasha, because she had known him from the certification. And I was like, I can't, I can't talk to him. <laughs> mom, like uh -huh. I had a crush on him when I was eight. Like, well, still do, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Center Center doesn't only just focus on your life as a dancer, because like I said, you have so many other creative endeavors and you began working on this throughout the pandemic. So what was that like as, you know, you couldn't, well, you could dance uh, on your own, but you weren't performing and that had sort of been shut down. So was this something that was like a positive way to channel creative energy or um, would you ever write again? <laughs> I mean, it was really difficult to not be able to perform. I mean, when you really think about it, this is something that I've been doing since I was nine years old. This is not only my livelihood, but it is sort of feels like the only thing I'm good at, mm -hmm. you know? So I miss the connection between audience and performer, miss the music, the ritual, everything about it. Uh, so it was really difficult during the pandemic, uh, not only to feel the pressures of a global pandemic, but to be robbed of the thing that brings me a lot of uh, creative peace. Yeah. So in order to sort of, I don't know, I guess feel a little bit better, this book sort of manifested in a in a really natural way mm -hmm. it it was in the works before the pandemic and uh the pandemic gave me the perfect opportunity to sit down and just write every day yeah my husband and i both work in theater so we've also had we've experienced the uh, the difficult uh the difficult nature of the last year when a uh, that's been, that's been a, a concept I've been trying to explain to people where when your career is also your identity, it's really hard when that gets taken away against your will. But it also, I feel like you you write in sort of like a mixed media way. We have drawings. There's one that's like written as like a little script, a little short play almost. And then also these really stunningly beautiful essays. Something I love about memoirs so much, it's one of my favorite genres to read, is that it clearly takes so much courage to choose the moments of your life that you want to showcase. So was this a cathartic writing experience? Um, how do you like deal with that vulnerability? I think vulnerability is easy to achieve in writing and compared with conversation. Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time telling people difficult things about my life in person. And so I was sort of stunned by the, the ease with which I could sit down and, and write about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and in picking the, the types of things I wanted to talk about, I wanted them to be sort of normal human themes, things like family, friendship, 
love, sex, loss, etc. Uh, career, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it felt just, I don't know if cathartic's the right word, but it just felt correct. Yeah, definitely. And like with that use of mixed media um, and including your drawings, is that how you always kind of saw your book coming together? Or was it just this, sometimes I feel like, you know, the way that we have to talk about moments in our life or the lessons that we learned, they just come out the way that they're meant to. Um, so did you intend for there to be the mixed media or did that just kind of happen? Yes, I definitely intended for it. Um, I was really inspired by Roald Dahl's mm. Boy, which is a, a book of tales of his childhood and schooling. Uh, that was the book that really, you know, was like, go for it, write this book to me. Yeah. Um, and Alice in Wonderland really inspired me with the illustrations by John Tenniel. So the the illustrations in my book, I wanted to feel sort of visceral and uh, kind of gross almost. And so <laughs> I was put in touch with a friend of a friend named Teddy O'Connor, who works on Rick and Morty, which is an animated show on Adult yeah. Swim. Uh, it's fantastic if you haven't seen it. Uh, it. It's strange and brilliant. Yeah, so I mixed media makes sense for me because I have so many interests. Mm-hmm. So it feels correct as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw one review that was like, um, you may know James Whiteside as a ballet dancer, but that is not who he only is. And I think that that is such a cool thing to come out of because as artists and creative people, like I just think that we're, we're attuned to figuring out different ways to express ourselves, um, which going into choreography as well for you, I'm sure that that was a, a huge change, but also something that, felt natural. Absolutely. I mean, I can't dance as a performer forever. Ballet is really, really hard on the body. It is unnatural. It is extreme. So I'm 37 and I have maybe like three or four more years of high level classical ballet in my body. And I have to prepare for the future. I want to be able to choreograph. I love making dance. I love classical ballet. I want to continue to write. Uh, these are all things that I can do beyond my dancing body. Yeah, exactly. Which is so cool. And you wear point shoes, which is something I've always been so like, I think that's awesome. Um, the, uh, um, I'm not sure what brand you use, but the, the woman who founded the studio my mom works for is uh, Eliza Gaynor Minden's mother. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I wear Gaynor Minden's. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> for the listeners. Point shoes are are also known as toe shoes to the layman, perhaps, are um, are traditionally worn by women in ballet. They are uh, rather painful, but uh, <laughs> I have been fascinated by them since I was a kid. And uh, I just started wearing them. I, I, I wear Gaynor Mindens, which is a brand of point shoes that are very supportive and comfortable, in my opinion. And yeah, I've just been enjoying myself getting to know this specific type of classical ballet well one of the things that I loved that you really talk about in your book is how you know it it is um it is an art form that is full of people from all walks of life but it is so heteronormative and those are things I'm like like I've been watching ballet my whole life and I'm involved in theater and you're like yeah there really is I mean, I don't, with new ballets coming out, I suppose, but characters are very much a man in love with a woman and if like the big fairy tale aspect of it. Um, and I think that that is something as we go further on in time, 
doesn't have to be that way. So I think that was um, another really, really cool point too that you touched on in your book. And also that um, your writing acknowledges how we have to grow through a lot of our ignorance. And for myself, I'm a white heterosexual woman. And so, you know, we, we are a little bit slower to learn on those things, I think. Um, and I just, that, that level of bravery and vulnerability is something that I think is so important for people to see that we are, we have the ability to change and the ability to learn and we can acknowledge, you know, unsavory parts of our past. And that doesn't make us any less, um, human and all of that. Absolutely. So, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be a, a hero necessarily. I wanted it to be very obvious that I I am flawed. I feel remorse over things and decisions I've made. Um, and it's important to learn. Um, so how did you upkeep your like mental self-care, I guess, while writing? Because I feel like I'm someone that I look back on my like, high school years and I'm like, oh God, like I would just rather pretend that the, that Phoebe didn't exist. But it's obviously not some, like we have to acknowledge those things. But so how did you take care of yourself while, while uh, writing about these things? I don't know that I did, honestly. We were in the height of a pandemic and it felt appropriate for everything to really come crashing down. Mm. So I felt very comfortable writing about the ugliest parts of me, honestly. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think even sometimes, um, at least we don't even sometimes realize that things were like traumatic in our past or anything until you're like, hmm, <laughs> maybe my brain did a little better job of protecting me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a certain, I don't know, gift that I have for, for hiding tough feelings or pushing them down or stifling them. And uh, even in writing this book, I was like, wow, there's a lot in here that I've just been shoving away for decades, uh, which is strange. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the the uh, the Connecticut blood in us. <laughs> I feel like everybody's pretty good ah. at it. <laughs> um, so did you have like a, a moment when you were writing or like a favorite time that you went going back to revisit that was joyful or um, just like the, um, you go through so many parts of your life. Did you have a favorite time to go back and revisit? <clears throat> I loved, loved, loved writing about all the pets that I had. Oh yeah. <laughs> I it was just like cracking up, like cracking myself up, remembering all of these pets and uh, talking to my sister and my brothers about them and just mm -hmm. getting their points of view on my mother. Uh, you know, I think my favorite sort of time to reminisce on was when I was a kid with my siblings and my mother in that, mm -hmm. in that one house. And uh, it was just mayhem. It was so fun to talk to them about it. Yeah, I was reading your acknowledgments and you had your, your family Zooms throughout the time. Yeah, that we would have like Zoom. these boozy Zooms where we would <laughs> laugh so hard and talk for hours on Zoom at the height of the pandemic. Talking about my mother, my, my late mother, who was, mm -hmm. you know, just a wild character. And uh, it was it was heavenly. That's so special. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I've, my dad has always said that, like, if he knew how much fun number one grandchildren would be and adult children would be, he would have just like skipped to that part because, yeah. like, you love those times. But like, there's something special about like your the adult relationship you have with your siblings. Yes. So, 
did you have any, like, I know you wanted to write this book for a while. Um, did you have any like nonfiction writers besides uh, Roald Dahl, um, obviously who was a big inspiration for you, but did you like read any other memoirs? Um, anything that also was a great inspiration for you? Absolutely. I mean, David Sedaris is a huge inspiration. Oh, yeah. Obviously it would be, I would you be- like a similar tone. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I wanted comedy. I wanted heart. Um, I wanted reality. So he's been inspiring me since I was probably 18 years old when I read Me Talk Pretty One Day for the first time. Um, I recently read a memoir that really inspired me sort of towards the end of my writing process uh, by Andre Gregory. It's called This Is Not My Memoir. He's a playwright and director. And just the tone and frankness in, in his book really inspired me. Um, okay, what else? I mean, I'm not a huge memoir reader. I'm a big sci-fi fantasy fan, honestly. Um, so it's kind of comical that I wrote a, a sort of memoir. <laughs> but um, I guess the sci-fi fantasy will have to come later for me. That, I mean, I was going to ask, if <laughs> what are your other favorite types of books to read? Um, I, people who write sci-fi and fantasy, I'm just like, I mean, I'm someone who lives in my imagination 24 seven and I still don't think I could create a whole new world. <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. I'm reading uh, the fourth installment in Brandon Sanderson's uh, Stormlight Archives. Mm. And I mean, it, it, this is an epic. This book is enormous and I am in awe. I am just in awe. I do not know how people come up with it. Yeah, I read um, N.K. Jessamine's uh, The Fifth Season Oh, yeah. And I can't, I like, I, I'm so intimidated to keep reading. So I'm just like, I, that was literally me. And I was like, do I know how to read this book? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I've been reading this fourth book for like a year, honestly. It, it's just so epic. And I, 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 I feel like I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I've not read any Brandon Sanderson. I'm a bit intimidated, um, but I have a lot of friends who absolutely love his work. So. Yeah. I guess it's I'll have to. I recommend. <laughs> I will add it to the ever-growing list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that you can add author to your already very impressive resume, do you have like any other things that you, I mean, life is infinite, but what are some like top things that you still want to achieve on your artistic resume? Well, I'd love to adapt some essays from this book into film or television. Ooh. I would like to write a play. I would like um, to choreograph new full-length classical ballets with more relevant stories to today. I would like to continue just creatively doing whatever the hell I want. <laughs> yes, I love that. There, um, so this the the essay um, that is written like a play in your book that takes place mm -hmm. at the airport. Yeah. Um, I actually, when I was in college, I read a short play that was about all of the um, luggage that gets left behind a baggage claim. And oh, wow. it was absolutely brilliant because there's like the Louis Vuitton luggage that's like, I'm not even supposed to be back here. You're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a carry-on. <laughs> um, and then like the beat up ones who are like, I, I know we all look the same, but I swear I have my own personality. And that um, I couldn't help but thinking about that because you had like the iPhones as characters, yeah. even though yeah. obviously like, you know, you were just texting. Um, yeah. But very creative. Oh, I would love to, to see a play written by you. 
you know never say never it's like I never thought I'd have a book I never thought I'd be a principal dancer at ABT these it's like I feel incredibly charmed like I just can't believe my luck honestly well I think you definitely have earned it because that's another portion of your story that I was not aware of um how you really like you say that like I don't think I was the most like gifted natural dancer as a child like no one was like ah yes the star Mm. but you had the the, the determination and you loved it so much Mm. um so you really like through your time, you did the the summer program at ABT, but then ended up at Boston Ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that anything is possible if you have that, you know, yeah. you never gave up. It was quite a journey. It was a roundabout journey, but I got there in the end. Yes. Um, okay. So something we love to do on our podcast is mm-hmm. pair books with songs. And I feel like there's so many options, but um do you have a song that comes to mind when you think about your book oh absolutely okay you're... And it can't be one of your own <laughs> <laughs> I feel okay there's one song that perhaps nobody knows but we'll have to like you'll have to like Spotify it or something um okay it's called I Happen to Like New York by okay. Judy Garland and it is a ridiculous campy manic tune that really embodies a lot of the book mm-hmm. oh that's awesome yeah I'll have to I'll insert a clip here <laughs> for everybody it, to listen it's to great it's absurd what's and I always ask authors what's next are you working on anything and I feel like we've covered what you want to do um but now that um you've been on tour recently right yeah, I was in Vail Colorado for the Vail Dance Festival which is a fantastic dance festival in Colorado so now that um, hopefully everything with the news is starting to scare me again, I don't really, uh, after uh, <laughs> having my show shut down and my husband uh, lost his job on Broadway, we're like, mm, we don't really, <laughs> don't really trust it. But it does seem like things are, uh, we'll be able to gather with audiences safely again soon. So what do you have upcoming? Okay, upcoming, I am very excited that American Ballet Theater is going to have a fall season, allegedly, at Lincoln Center in October. And uh, we'll be doing uh, full-length ballet Giselle and some new works and some ABT classics in the sort of contemporary space. Very exciting. Giselle was the first professional ballet that I saw (laughs) as a child. Oh, what a good one to see. Oh my God, I love that one. I'll never forget like seeing it for the first time and just being like, I think I was like three or four. And uh, I don't remember if it was NYCB or ABT, but I remember like in the car on the way home, I was just like, my mom was like, okay. (laughs) Ballet is a silent art form, Phoebe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me, James. Your book comes out tomorrow when we're recording this. So it is very exciting. Um, where can everybody find you on social media? Great. You can find my book wherever books are sold. And there is an audiobook with my dulcet tones. Ooh. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at James B. Whiteside. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on my website at jamesbwhiteside.com. And just, you know, Google me. I um I shared on my Instagram that I was starting your book and uh one of my friends who I was not expecting to know who you were was like 
oh my gosh, I followed him at the beginning of the pandemic and he's the reason why I made it through. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's just, so cool. The absolute, like, she's just like, I loved like the joy of like the videos that he posted and your pictures are so like, you just like, um, I feel like you are like the definition of an artist. So it's very fun to see that translate on social media. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I thank you so much for joining me. As James said, you can find his book Center Center wherever you get your books. Um, and uh, if you want to use our code for Libro FM to get the um, the audiobook and support an independent bookstore, we will have that code in our show notes. <laughs> thank awesome. you so much for joining me, James. Thank you, Phoebe. Bye, everybody. I can't believe it has taken us this long to have a memoir author, a nonfiction author on Read It or List It. And we'd love to know if that's something you would like to hear more of. It's a totally different medium, but still very, very interesting and a great option for audio. Like I mentioned, if you want to buy the audiobook of Center Center and you want to use our Libro FM credit, you can use code READANDWRITE or code SHELFLOVE to get two audiobooks for the price of one when you sign up. It's the same price as competing audiobook services, but your monthly subscription fee goes to an independent bookstore of your choice. And you know we love to support our indies here. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.